it was just so funny listening to them explain it because that's how people legitimately think of us. They think of us as like, we show up, they call us ambulance drivers. You know, we show up and just stare at someone and go, uh, 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 and then, you know, load them up in the, in the back of the hearse. Los Angeles, this is Code 3, the Firefighters Podcast, hosted by award-winning journalist Scott Orr. Code 3 features interviews with leading members of the fire service, discussing firefighting strategy, tactics, and other topics you need to know more about. Now, here's Scott. That's right, and I will not let Parkinson stop me. Thank you for joining me for another edition of Code 3. You are listening to the show for and about firefighters that gets the point across in about 20 minutes. Let's get started. If you spend any time on Facebook, you've probably seen the videos posted by Fire Department Chronicles. If you haven't, you need to. Go there right now and look them up. I'll wait. You're back? Good. The man behind these videos is Jason Patton. He usually, but not always, plays all the roles himself. Here's one of my favorites. New scenario. You arrive on scene, patient's in full respiratory arrest. Okay, he's in respiratory arrest. I'm going to go ahead and grab my airway bag and innovate him. Can't innovate him. There's an octopus on his face. Uh, okay, I, I'm going to pull the octopus off. The octopus has been trained in the art of anti-pulling. You can't get him off. I'm going to get my scalpel. I'm going to get my scalpel and I'm going to cut it off. You can't get the scalpel out. Your partner has glued the airway bag shut. Why would he do it that? It doesn't matter. What are you going to do? Uh, yeah, yeah. Jason's covered a lot of ground on these videos. From whether TV shows about firefighters are realistic, what do you think he found, to how to get fired. But the one that caught my attention most recently was one in which he critiqued a Wall Street Journal video about firefighting. It was titled, Five Things a Firefighter or Paramedic Won't Tell You. There's a link to the video in the show notes. Anyway, Jason set about correcting the record in his own unique way. The first objective of any EMT is simply to stabilize and transport the patient to a higher level of care. Uh, question. When you say simply stabilize them and transport them to a higher level of care, do you mean stop them from dying? Because if that's what you meant, you're correct. Uh, see, our job is to stop them from dying in the field so we can get them to a hospital and they can make sure that they live a nice, healthy life. And just in case you're wondering, here's a very small list of the things that we can simply stabilize them in. Uh, it's going to be seizures, strokes, burns, heart attacks, drowning, cardiac arrest, tension, pneumo, fractures, bleeding, penetrating injuries, diabetic emergencies, hyperkalemia, hypokalemia, hypertension, hypotension, childbirth, SVT, VTAC, asystole, and of course the occasional overdose. So, uh, yeah. Jason Patton is a career firefighter and paramedic who has worked for Riviera Beach, Florida Fire Rescue for 11 years. He also works with a treatment center specializing in mental health and addiction for first responders. And he's the vice president of Fire Department Coffee. And Jason Patton joins me now. Welcome to Code 3. How are you? Doing well. So Jason, you are a madman on these videos. 
What prompted you to start producing them? You know, honestly, it all started with, you know, us messing around the station. Like a lot of people have done this over the years. We'll film ourselves doing whatever, something, nothing too stupid because you never want to put that on on the interwebs or anything, but just messing around standard stuff. Uh, We threw a couple videos up on, on the internet and Facebook and stuff like that. Got some views. And the whole thing was we were doing National Geographic's Fire Department Edition. So we were having a good time, you know, joking and laughing and everything. And then we put up one and we were hunting for the paramedic via his natural mating call, which was bitching. And uh, <laughs> they got like <laughs> 100,000 views in like eight hours and I was freaking out. But I think it's because you know, it, it's definitely uh, about as true as you can possibly get when it comes to any of these, uh, you know, stereotypical things that we all deal with. <laughs> Now, these videos are usually pretty funny, but sometimes they also make a serious point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This one on the Wall Street Journal story was like that. Yeah. What was the problem with the story that you saw? You know, I, I think just a lot of times, especially with firefighters and paramedics and EMTs, all the statements are very generalized. And then instead of doing any realistic research on any of this stuff it's all just this you know oh they were 2448s which is a hundred percent true for most people but you know what they don't realize is that's eight hours more per week than the average person is working and then on top of that you know there's 70 percent of us are, are volunteers and, and they're doing that and then on another layer even on top of that that i couldn't even make into the video because it would have made it too long but was that all of us, all of us have at least one second job. And it's not because we want to do additional work. It's because most people don't get paid very well to do this. I know the average EMT is making about nine bucks an hour. So it's just, it was kind of so generalized. So just like painting this really bad picture of us that, you know, I was like, I I have to combat this. I have to, you know, have a rebuttal to it. Now I went back and found the actual Wall Street Journal story and it is a few years old. It was written by a man named Daniel Goldstein. It's 10 things firefighters and paramedics won't tell you. (laughs) So I'm going to go through them real quick. Number one is we don't fight many fires anymore, which, you know, may or may not be true depending on where you live. Mm -hmm. But as you pointed out, the fires that are fought are hotter and more dangerous. Mm-hmm. Number two is we're short-staffed, so we're sleepy, which you addressed. Number three is some people use us as a taxi service. Yes. <laughs> and, and that goes along with number four, you're getting charged for this ambulance ride. Yep. Well, yeah, I can't imagine too many paramedics would sit there and go, well, let's figure out whether your insurance is going to pay for 80% of this or 100%. <laughs> yeah, and I actually made a point to that one, but I just, I didn't want to really go into it. But I mean, the the agencies have to get paid. Like, they need to be able to staff people. I mean, you can have, there are volunteer ambulance services, you know, but a lot of, you know, with, with volunteers, I mean, they're doing it and it's incredible and it's so cool that they do it. But the response times tend to be, you know, a little bit longer than your average if you have career people in the stations themselves. And it's because unless it's during the day or somebody's in the station hanging out, which, you know, a lot of volleys do, which is incredible, um, you know, these guys or girls are responding from their house or from their other jobs or whatever. So, yeah, I would rather have a career or paid people there to reduce those, those times a little bit, especially depending on what the medical emergency is. 
Number five is we will try and save your life, but not always your house. <laughs> In the article, there was a quote from Rick Lasky about risking a lot to save a lot. Yeah, yeah, and I and I actually that that would be one of them that I actually agreed with. Like, you know, save your life, but I mean, if it's if it's getting you out or saving your house, we're gonna pick you ten out of ten times. Number six is we only work eight days a month, which we've discussed. Number seven <laughs> is fun. We get paid way more or way less than you think. I mean, they tried to have it both ways in that one. Yeah, that's that, that's about as generalized as you can get. I mean, it, it's, you know, uh, yeah, people eat legitimately either think we make a million dollars a year or or they think, you know, we make nothing, which actually the, the, the latter is, is probably a lot more true. You know, most most guys are not swimming in cash. I'll tell you that right now. Well, and I'll, I'll give you number eight. We'd like to be your neighbor, but we can't afford to. <laughs> That's the truth. <laughs> number nine, too many of us are out of shape. We've addressed that. That mm-hmm. was just unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Number ten, I thought was interesting because it was the place you started, I believe. We may not know what's wrong with you. You know, and... When it was funny because when I originally went through the list, I was listening and I was like, the like, the generalized thought process is correct. But then when they explained what the what the reasoning was behind those statements, they were ridiculous. Like you know, our our first off, she kept calling it consults, and I couldn't figure out well who who consult the doctor. Like that's for like classic surgery. That's when you go in for a consult, you know. But I mean, like. When, when, when we were like, you know, we're not consulting a doctor over the radio. I've done that one time, one time in the 14 years that I've been doing this. And it was because I needed to give an extra dose of a drug that was outside of my protocols for a seizure. But it was just so funny listening to them explain it because that's how people legitimately think of us. They think of us as like we show up, and they call us ambulance drivers. You know, we show up and just stare at someone and go, uh, 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 and then, you know, load them up in the, in the back of the hearse because that's you know obviously what they used to use you just load them in the back of the hearse and then how much diesel can we get into this thing go but i mean it's obviously i mean depending on where you work there's a county north of me they do nitroglycerin drips they they still use dopamine for dopamine drips i mean they do epinephrine drips they do like they they have protocols these i think they're still trained on pericardial synthesis like these guys are trained well above what most people are trained to and it's because of the environment that they're in so yeah just to say that we load and go 100 percent not true now the story had an interesting quote which i'll read here even paramedics who can administer life-saving drugs insert breathing tubes and can read cardiac monitors can't do a lot of interventions in the field that they used to without an okay from a doctor at a hospital first. It, it really, really comes down to, um, like, what kind of interventions do you want us doing in the field? I mean, when, when we bring these people into the hospital, depending on what their situation is, they need to go into sterile environments. I mean, you know, the number one thing killing people in, in hospitals and and you know, depending on the situations, it's going to be infection, right? So like, you know, infection and dehydration are two biggest things that kill people that who, who have burns. So 
you know, you don't want us doing certain things in the field. Not that we couldn't do it, but, you know, we try to minimize the amount of, of outside exposure that's happening. So, yeah, I mean, but again, depending on the area that you're in, depending on like what your level of training is, you're doing everything that a doctor is doing. The only difference is we don't have an x-ray machine. And, and they, I've actually heard of them possibly trying those things out inside the trucks. And I'm good. I, <laughs> So this story strikes me as sort of half accurate. It plays up the startling aspects, but downplays the reality. Do you find that in a lot of cases, in stories like this that are written by everyday reporters, that this happens? Absolutely. I mean, I think that's a standard. Uh, I think that's a standard practice for. I'd love to say news agencies. Like, I don't blame this lady. I know what she's doing. She's doing what her job is. She's Her job is to read a prompter and and, and explain the story and, and whatever. I mean, she has to report on a million things a day. So, you know, it is it is what it is. But, um, yeah, people, especially news agencies, they, they will paint the picture to obviously go towards their own motives or whatever their thought process is or uh, so on and so forth. But it's not just news agencies. It's everybody. Everybody does that. Everybody paints a picture that definitely demonstrates their thought processes or, or really goes for whatever they're trying to represent. All right, that's fair. Now let's talk about Hollywood for a bit. What's the most realistic or least fake TV show about firefighters and or paramedics? I would say specific, like Rescue Me. Rescue Me, I didn't see the latter seasons. I know it got a little crazy, but Rescue Me was really good to see what the internal workings of a fire department was, especially someone as traditional, you know, culture driven as as FDNY. Like it, you know, that like those types of places that that seems to be about as realistic as you can get. You know, the, the machismo, and that was a big thing. Like that that show had a ton of machismo in it, and that's that is like probably the foundation of most of firefighting paramedics and everything. Um, Tacoma FD seems to find that the humor side of that kind of stuff. So that that's obviously very refreshing to see. Uh, I did not watch sirens, but sirens was supposedly pretty good about that. So I didn't get a chance to watch it, but for, for what those shows represented, those seem to be the most realistic and the, and the best approach to, to, you know, finding some entertainment in what we do. For the time, of course, my personal favorite is emergency because back then, you know, that was some people thought it was an actual documentary. Yeah, and 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 it's you know I had a, a battalion chief that would watch that like every day we'd walk in and yeah. get emergency on. Yeah, you're right. At the time, that's exact, and and that's why I made that comment in the beginning. Like, was all the research done on that show? <laughs> because that's. That's that's how it was. You had a doctor there. You had a doctor consult. You know, in other countries, in other countries, they still have physicians that go on the ambulances with the paramedics or EMTs, depending on whatever level they want with them. And the doctor's the one that treats the people. So, you know, in other countries, that is that is actually still valid. Um, but um, yeah, emergency definitely. Yeah, like you said at the time, that's the way it was. I mean, medicine in general, especially paramedics and paramedicine. That it's still not super old. I mean, I, I know some some of my instructors that I had 15 years ago had some of the first paramedic licenses. In fact, one of the guys that worked here had one of the first paramedic licenses, which is 
absolutely mind-blowing to me. Yeah, you know, I have a friend who said, you know, you're getting old when you pop the caps <laughs> like Johnny and Roy and you look at your partner and your partner goes, yeah. what? <laughs> yeah. like, oh, come on, you must know what that <laughs> yeah. is. Well, I made reference to mass pants one day in an emergency department and, and an older nurse looked at me and said, man, you're old. <laughs> And the younger nurse looked at her and said, what what are mass pants? (laughs) She said, obsolete. (laughs) We found out it was killing a lot more people than it was saving, so we had to get rid of this thing. (laughs) So what's your favorite movie about firefighting? We love the classics just because they're so bad. Like, you watch Backdraft before you become a firefighter, and you're like, yeah, this is what I want to do. And then you become a firefighter, you're like, Jesus Christ, all those people would have been dead in the first 20 minutes of this movie. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like you know, 100% true. You know, I, I love Ladder 49. Ladder 49 seemed to kind of gravitate more towards the, the reality of life and, and, and what what really, you know, I like how they played the pranks on each other, you know, then that's the way it is in a firehouse. And we all know that a lot of that stuff wouldn't happen, but you know, probably those, those two tend to be uh, the more, the more humorous and probably the closer ones are not, not humorous, but the closer ones that I like. So what's your most popular topic to do videos on right now? It seems to be rebuttals. You know, it seems to be like, like, watching the shows and explaining what would have really happened or, you know, rebuttals against people that are, that have uh, interesting opinions about firefighters. The go-to number ones that, that always seem to do well, no matter what the environment is or what's going on is any kind of description of what is, what like the different people that you're going to work with. Cause what is absolutely hysterical to me. And I've been traveling around just for various reasons ever since the, you know, fire department Chronicles started about four years ago. It does not matter what station you walk into. It doesn't matter what city it's in. It doesn't matter what country it's in. Every single every single fire station you walk into all has the same exact people. I mean, it does. I don't know if it's like like something that you don't even realize happens or if it's built into your DNA when you become a firefighter. But the second you walk in there, there's that driver engineer that doesn't want to do anything or, or the other driver engineer that checks their truck out completely. You know, you got the guy that's sit, that, that just wants to come in, do, 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 do no duties at all. Or the guy that's doing everything. You got the guy that's farting all the time or the guy that's stealing all the food out of the refrigerator, you know, like, I mean, there's just always the same group of people. Every the guy, that guy that's showing up two minutes before shift change and you want to punch him in the face because you don't want to get a late call. Like it's always the same. It's always the same no matter what which is probably why your videos resonate because everybody can recognize the people they work with yeah and that's and that's the way it is like i put out the different paramedics and the different emts and different drivers was a big one you know like or, or things things i mean universally all of our patients all say the same thing they all do like you walk in there and you have the lady who's like, I'm, I'm showing a breath. And then she's like, let me finish this cigarette. And you're like, you are obviously not that short of breath. <laughs> you know, it's, it, it's always the same. Well, you do a great job with those videos. I've noticed your YouTube channel has, gosh, um, hundreds of thousands of views. 
So you're, you're, you're doing a great job with them. Keep it up. I appreciate it. I, I very much appreciate that. All right, Jason Patton. Thanks for joining me today on Code 3. Thank you so much, sir. I appreciate it. What do you think of the way news media and or Hollywood portrays firefighters? Any pilot will tell you reporters don't generally have the specialized knowledge of the subject that it takes to report on aviation. And the same is frequently true of firefighting in EMS as well. Now, cops and fire were my beats for a lot of my career as a newsman, and I spent a lot of time explaining to other reporters how this stuff works. They didn't know. I'd like to hear what your experience has been like. You can leave your comments on our website at code3podcast.com funny. There's links to more info, like Jason's company, Fire Department Coffee, and videos there as well. Check it out. All right, that's it. That's all for this edition of Code 3. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next time with more, and I hope you'll join me. I'm Scott Orr, and until then, stay safe. To contact us, get more information on today's show, or to subscribe to the podcast, go to Code3Podcast.com.